ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Presented by Zadok Jewelers. KFNC and KFNC HD2 on Bellevue, Houston. This is Money Live on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Checking in with everyone on Twitch. Shout out to my man Wolfman. He says, call me crazy, but I've always been a Tyrod fan. Just keep him away from the needles. Yeah. I mean, Tyrod's done some good things. It's just he does get hurt a lot. You know, with the Bills, you know, he was okay, and we only got to see him for, what, one game with the Chargers. But I, I think he'll be all right. But if Deshaun only won four games with this roster, ugh, imagine what Terod's going to do. And no Will Fuller. Say what you want, but Fuller was good last year until he got popped for Peds. He needs to stay away from the needles as well. Yes, Alex Villanueva checking in. Yo, what's up, guys? Getting up from the Crawfish UFC and Boxing Night. He still got a hangover. He said he's still drunk. Welcome into Moneyline on a beautiful Sunday, Mother's Day Sunday, okay? Uh, get you some menudo, whatever it is, because we got about an hour left here. We're going to turn it up here because there's so many things to get to. Although it's off season, it's, uh, it's, I call it smokescreen season, right? Because we're past that, but now we're starting to say, okay, so Zach Wilson comes out and he says, the, the starting quarterback job is, has to be earned. At which point I thought, and get out of here. You're the starter. Yeah. Him and Lawrence, the two guys that when they came to draft odds, they were they were solidified. But then my question is, who is going to be the next guy out of that next bunch to start first, barring injury? Because if, of course, if somebody gets injured week two, then you win. You got lucky. But is it, who out of that next is it is it going to be? Is it going to be Mac Jones? Is it going to be Justin Fields? Is it going to be Trey Lance? Which one of those guys gets the ball first? Let's start with San Francisco scenario. What do you think they're going to do? I think they're going to ride with Garoppolo until he gets hurt again. We know which is it's going to happen. <laughs> Thanks right? for wishing him well. Yeah, just saying, like that. That's what happens with Jimmy G. So I think the plan might be to to let Jimmy G play for an entire season, but if he gets hurt, that might change everything. I think Fields is the guy that probably. Gets his chance first out of that group of players you just named. So as far as week one starters for the Bears, the odds are Bears, Andy Dalton minus 150 to be the starter week one. Justin Fields only plus 130, though. So it's like they don't know. They they don't know. You think Justin Fields, if he has some kind of crazy big camp and he looks like he came along making good throws, how long do the Bears fans stay quiet before they push this to happen? Because the Bear fan isn't going to wait too long. No, they've been watching Trubisky. They are not going to be patient. <laughs> They're going to want to see this guy. But, I mean, the way they committed to Andy Dalton, I think they are going to give him the first shot at it. But at some point, they're going to realize, oh, yeah, he's Andy Dalton. And, and they're, you know, so it probably depends on if they're winning games or not. I don't think we're going to see like Bill O'Brien, where it's Andy Dalton for the first half. And then the second half, like Deshaun Watson against the Jags, you know, when they put him in in the first game of the season, Tom Savage, they yanked him after the first half. I don't think they're going to do that with Andy Dalton. But I will say this, uh, I think three or four games into the year, I think the Dalton experience or experiment might be over. How about Mac Jones? Does he take the reins from Cam Newton? Barring injury, say it's no injury. Say Cam Newton's playing pretty much like last year, so just that'll give you a, a, a view of where he's at. 
just mediocre, had his moments. They don't really throw the ball over 22, 23, 24 times. You saw they brought in two tight ends, two receivers. Do they say, you know what, let's try Jones out? Or do you think this is a whole year that he sits out no matter what happens? I'm leaning towards a whole year. I just It's a complicated offense. We know that with the, the Chad Ochocinco experience in, in New England. It's a complicated offense, and it's going to take Mac Jones a while to – to feel comfortable. And we've seen that before. You know, they, the Patriots typically go with guys they trust, veteran guys, until those options aren't available to them. So I think they'll ride with Cam for as long as they can. So out of those, you're going with Justin Fields, sees the field first, or uh, no pun intended, yeah, gets to start first. <laughs> I think so. And a lot of people felt like he was one of the most ready quarterbacks in this draft. So that makes sense. And if Aaron Rodgers is, is not in Green Bay... The Bears have a real shot to win that division if they get some decent quarterback play. Steel Curtain says, what do you think of Mills being the guy long-term so the Texans trading's next year top pick, then trading Deshaun and getting a, a load of draft capital to start the rebuild? See, that was my biggest concern with this draft pick is because I'm worried they're going to have to take a quarterback with their top pick again anyway. So, you know, why waste a third-round pick? And I'm looking at this article from Sarah Barship on ESPN. Think about this, okay, with the Davis Mills pick. Here's the deal with third-round picks, Jerry, is in the past five drafts, 40 quarterbacks have been selected in the third round or later. Of those 40 quarterbacks, so 40 in the last five drafts, quarterbacks third round or later, only Dak Prescott has made the Pro Bowl, and no quarterback has been named an All-Pro. And the only quarterbacks among those 40 to start a playoff game are Prescott and Connor Cook, who, remember, started against the Texans because Derek Carr was hurt. In a barn burner. Yeah, I mean, that was, God, that was an awful game, but a classic Texans game. So my point here is, at the last 40 quarterbacks drafted, only one guy, Dak Prescott, has turned out to be a pro bowler, you know, to at least just be a, a good quarterback. So the numbers are not in their favor. I'll tell you what's not in their favor. Andrew Erickson went to, tw- uh, to Twitter this week, and he put 2002 Texans wide receivers versus 2021. He said, who do you got? And he put, I don't got anyone. The answer is none. <laughs> Wide receivers for that 2002 Texans team, Avion Black, Corey Bradford, Jabbar Gaffney, Ugh. Jermaine Lewis. This year, Dante Moncrief, Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, Chris Conley, Kiki, Alec Erickson, Andre Roberts. Yeah, it, look, it's Brandon Cooks and a bunch of guys. That's exactly what I was going to say because I don't want to – and a lot of people backlashed on him and said, I mean, nah, come on, you're stretching it out. Like, uh, Cooks is serviceable. And you say, okay, okay, maybe. Yeah. But what about Cooks without Watson, though? Oh. I mean, Terod Taylor's pretty good at finding one good receiver and locking in on that guy. I remember it was like Charles Clay was his guy with the Bills. Remember the tight end? Uh, Charles Clay like would show up for fantasy because Touchdown. Terod Taylor would throw him touchdowns. Yeah, so you got to think, you know, Cooks has got to be the only guy he trusts. So I think Eden Cooks had over 1,000 yards last year, so he might do it again. But, you know, that's why I think they drafted Nico Collins, man. They, they need a big receiver that can get down the field. They don't have the deep threat of Will Fuller anymore. What Nico Collins can do is get deep. That's what he did in college. So I think they're going to use him for that, but he's a third-round pick. He's a rookie. What happens with Tim Kelly as far as the way he approaches this year? We know that Tim Kelly was a or Watson was a Tim Kelly guy. Like yeah. they, Watson loved him. You know, he stuck his neck out for him. Now that he doesn't have 
of course, Taylor, he does have a little bit of wheels on him. By no means is he Watson. By no means, I don't think he can make the throws. He's just a different guy. Do you think that this year he's going to have to implement a different offense? If, if, you know, before all this Watson thing, he was probably game planning like, all right, this was Watson's best year coming off. Uh, we're going to do this with Deshaun next year. Hopefully we're not losing so many games. This is we're going to – and all of a sudden that's out the window. He's going to have to critique it. How much does he critique that game plan? In other words, does he have to change it? Is it just a one-off year because it's a little – It's we don't know if Taylor's going to be the guy going forward. Probably not. I mean, chances are he's not. Okay, so this is just a holdover, a, a rental. Mm-hmm. So then, what happens? What what does the what does Kelly do right now? Because if it was Watson, he was about to try to get comfortable with the franchise quarterback. He loves me. We got that connection. I'm not going anywhere. He's got my back. Let's build something, Deshaun. Now that that's not there, now he's thinking: Do I go year by year? Like you know, how do they attack this? I think they're going to treat it like like Deshaun went down, right? Like you know, he got yeah. injured, and, and Terod had to come in and, and take over. I think that's how they're going to approach it. And I just think Terod is a, you know, his game's kind of similar to Deshaun's. He's just not as good as him. You know, he doesn't have as big an arm. I don't think he's as fast. And obviously, he, you know, Deshaun's really good with the mental aspect. You know, when you watch him talk, you know, after the games about, oh, they were in this coverage and this was what was happening. Deshaun knows this stuff, man. And, and Terod's been around for a while. So I, I think he'll... You know, he'll pick it up, and, and he should get all the reps, right? If Deshaun never shows up, Tarad's going to get all the reps, all the preseason that they think he needs. So he's going to have a shot here to to be as prepared as he possibly could be. Just his supporting cast, it's what you said. It's Brandon Cooks and a bunch of who knows at receiver. How much can the kid learn, though, Mills from uh, Tarad? A lot, you would think, you yeah. know, especially – the adversity that Tarot's switching teams. Remember, even in Buffalo, they would take away the starter position for him, even though he did good. Then he got traded. Then the, the lung, I mean, everything, yeah. you know. What happens if he doesn't get the needle and everything goes down with the way the puncture? What happens if that, that whole fiasco, that whole thing doesn't happen? We don't even see Herbert last season. Yeah. I mean, just think of how that could have changed everything. Every, every, everything. Everything. Yeah. It, it, and guess who was working with Herbert? It was Pep Hamilton. You know, and now he's here. So I am a little bit encouraged by that with the Davis Mills pick. Let him learn from Pep Hamilton. You saw how quickly Herbert was was fantastic last year under that same coaching. So you hope maybe that rubs off on and, and on Tarad to some extent. Maybe Pep is good for him too. Pep's got a lot of connections that he's trying to make. And, and it seems like the Texans organization's trust in his judgment on a lot of this. Yeah. You know, when you have that connection with a certain player, you see that. I mean, you're seeing it in Indianapolis. All of a sudden, everything is peachy with, with Winston Frank Wright. Yeah, well, and, he hadn't thrown an interception yet. Yeah, <laughs> yet. yet, exactly. Is it that easy whenever you trust in somebody? We see the Lions GM that used to be with with the uh, Rams go back and get golf. He already made a mistake on one franchise, goes to another franchise and makes another mistake. It's the devil you know, right? Is, you it, know, is he, it a pride thing to be like, man, I know I was right then. That's part of it, but I think it's the devil you know. Like, I know what Jared Goff gives me because I've worked with him. <laughs> you know he, what I mean? What does he give you? Yeah, Be- bean soup? He does. But, you know, you know that. Sometimes people would rather have that compared to the unknown. You know, and, and that's... Mills. Yeah, the, Mills is the unknown, right? But you know what the upside of Tarot is. He's been in the league a long time. He's only on a one-year deal. So that's why I'm offered try some new stuff. You know, like... You never know until you let a guy play. Like Herbert, nobody knew he was going to be that good his rookie year, but you had to play him, and they were forced to play him. 
forced to uh, yeah. again by we we never if if all this crazy things happens with or doesn't happen with uh, Tarad, we never even see Herbert. And then if you look at that class, it's it's in discussion that Herbert might be the best. Uh, I mean, it's tough. If as good as Herbert was, we still don't know Burrow. No, it, but Burrow did look good. That's you know, what, yeah, and that's why it's so tough because it's like in the little bit that we did see Burrow, we saw him do his thing. So then they were so great that it throws Tua. Which is supposed to be a, a generational type of guy. Mm-hmm. Now you see Tua riding the pine to these guys, right? I mean, if you yeah. if we're ranking them yeah. right now, if you're ranking them right now, and you get to choose out of all three, what what uh, order do you have them in? Yeah, I mean Tua is definitely last, right? And that's crazy to think that it is. But I didn't love what I saw from him last year. He no. just to me he looked different when he was on the field with professional talent around him like do you remember when johnny manzel you saw him in college and then when you saw him in the pros just his size he looked tiny out there you know what i mean it's like for me Tua just kind of he looked different to me in a pro uniform next to all the pro players do you think it's an advantage for a quarterback like a Tua or like a mac jones to have receivers like waddle and monte smith and then they come in the, is that a an advantage you think for Mac Jones coming in because he he knows how to play with guys receivers that are high level and and guys that end up playing on the next level or is or is that maybe you get too used to your guys being better than the other guys and it helps you not have to make the the extra throw your guys are doing the work not for you but they're making it simple for you, dude. Mac Jones is going to have a rude awakening when he realizes he's throwing to Nelson Aguilar <laughs> and Nikhil Harry. He said Jalen, <laughs> yeah. that, that's not Jalen Waddle. No, out there. it's not. He's, he's in, who is that guy? Again, that's why it's a good question, though, right? Because you got all those weapons. You don't realize that your guys are just beating them every single time on every route. You just got to make sure you get that ball there. NFL, your guys are usually a step behind. Yeah. And, I mean, Nikhil Harry, we've seen when he was with Brady, he's he's not great at getting super wide open. You know? And and Nelson Aguilar, like, I mean, how many teams has he bounced around on? And and he gets hurt, too. He just got hurt right now. (laughs) He did. 713-780-3776. 713-780-3776. Coming up next, I'm going to drop some funnies. We're going to drop a max bomb, two max bombs, one game. We're going to PSG next. You're listening to ESPN 97.5. I don't blame you, Don. You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. I don't know what to do with these people in 2021 because they got my click again, Josh. You know me. I'm easy to get clicks from. And it says people are eating ranted meat to become high because of they apparently forgot about drugs. So I click what? it. I'm like, what the hell is going on? At which point I had to quickly scroll by because I don't need the example of the meat that they're eating. I don't need to I don't need to see rotten meat. Right? Well, either way, it's come to I, I'm not even gonna say that there was some kind of uh there's some science behind it, but health experts say that the trippy effects could be a result of the bacteria and other germs that are potentially capable of inducing the feeling. And just as capable, uh, just as capable as giving you hallucinations, it could send you to the hospital. Obviously, well, there's a group of people that are that are trying this and eating rancid meat. Ugh. 
I, I, I smelt the picture through the computer. You know, like it says, and as, as if you needed a, an example, and then it shows you like three pictures of this. It looks like a whopper. You know, you, you know the whopper. The whopper's like a pale meat. It looks like a whopper, an old whopper. Uh, come on, man. I think there's better ways to catch a buzz. I mean, what My, happened to good yeah. old fashioned mushrooms? Yeah, that's, that's if you're gonna eat something. What happened to those? Uh, doing too much in 2021. Uh, clearly. I mean, if there was ever a year for that, this is it. You couldn't pay me to eat bad meat. No. Like, I don't know if, when the last time you had um, food poisoning was, but food poisoning is one of the worst oh, things ever. It is. It's awful. I mean, you just feel terrible. Like, no, I'm not rolling the dice with that. Go go buy some beer or something, you know? <laughs> I think there's better ways to do this. I don't know. I'm not eating rancid meat, Jerry. I'm against it. How about... Go, getting to an auction to go to uh, be the first passenger on a space flight. That's interesting. And it, it's funny you bring that up with Elon Musk doing SNL last night. Boy, he got some rave reviews for that. How was but, it? It was not great. Not great. But to, to be fair, sometimes a lot of SNL stuff, sometimes it, it missed. Yes. You, and, you, and you didn't have your hopes up too high that it was going to be just some some out-of-the-ballpark performance, something that we would remember for years. I never went in expecting that. No, and they set the bar the way they did. You know, he was he did say he's the first person with Asperger's to ever host SNL, so that's kind of cool. Wow. And, you know, the fact that he was able to do the show, and, you know, I, I'm fine with it. I, I know one of those skits was terrible, but, it, you know, it was, it was I can't remember what, which website it was on, but it was saying it's maybe the worst SNL skit ever. I saw that this morning on the Internet. And to your point, there's been a lot of bad SNL skits. So I'm not putting that on Elon Musk. And he's not the writer. You know what I mean? Like, if if the sketch is bad, shouldn't the writer have, you know, some part of the blame for that? Definitely. Going back to the space uh, traveling, Blue Origin, the rocket uh, rocket company founded by Jeff Bezos, will launch a rocket into space with passengers on board for the first time in July. So the way they got me on this one, it said, you know, it's an auction. They basically, you could go and put in a bid. So I go and, man, they were asking way too many questions. Mm-hmm. Though. Like I went and at first it was it was name and then it started asking like address and all that. I'm thinking, I just want to know what the bid is at right now. Just curiosity. Not yeah. that I was going to bid or anything, but just out of curiosity, at which point you go to another one uh, page and it's like private policies and it starts asking you more things and then more things. And then it's just at one point I said, I got to get out of here. The FBI is watching me right now. <laughs> watching. Well, you got to Have you seen that movie Armageddon with Bruce Willis? Yeah. Uh, you know, like, you know, they go through all that training, and I think it's Steve Buscemi ends up freaking out, you know, once they get up into space. So there's probably a lot of stuff they do want to ask you because somebody could freak out and, and kill everybody on the, on the ship. So they probably they do want to know a lot about you because who knows somebody could wig out and, and put everybody in danger. The way this goes down at about 47 miles, 250,000 feet, the capsule carrying the passengers will separate. And then soon the astronauts will get to unbuckle and experience weightlessness yeah. for about three minutes before returning to earth. The vehicle is fully pressurized. So passengers won't need to wear spacesuits or helmets. Now there is a few things, not just, not just anyone can go on here. The height and weight range has to be five feet, at least 110 pounds, to six four, 223. Must be able to dress themselves in a one-piece suit. That's cool, <laughs> yeah. right? Must be able to climb the launch tower equivalent to seven flights of stairs in under 90 seconds. 
Okay. Seven flights of stairs, 90 seconds? Yeah. It's got to be in decent shape to do that. It's yeah. doable. Yeah. How about sit strapped in the, in the reclined seat for 40 minutes, but up to 90 minutes in case there's a launch delay? Yeah. And, and didn't you say there was one about having to, you got to be able to hold it from going to the bathroom for so long, too? Yeah. The, the, you always wonder what happens. And we've seen it happen before where there's a little delay. Yeah. Where there's no getting up. There's no, there's no redo. And you, you're a little nervous and you got to go to the bathroom. That could end poorly. I know uh, Aaron's a little more familiar with this because your wife works with uh, NASA, right? Yep. So what what is the scenario uh, now that we're talking about? What happens to, to an astronaut if he's got to go pee? They just go. Those suits are made to, to handle it. Inside the suit? Yeah. I mean, they're also wearing, like, now they wear, like, diapers. But years and years ago, like, during the space shuttle and stuff like that, there, there was a point where, like, right as they were getting ready to count down... Astronaut got on his uh his little communication channel. I was like, uh, guys, <laughs> got a bit of an issue here. And they like looked at each other. And they looked at the person because they have whole teams in charge of everything. So they looked at the actual team who's in charge of the team in the spacesuit and was like, "Can he go?" <laughs> the person inside the spacesuit was like, "Yeah, I mean, it's not going to hurt anything. There's no exposed wires. <laughs> We're not putting exposed wires next to human skin. That'd be kind of dumb." And they told him, "They're like, dude, just go for it. Just go, man." <laughs> <laughs> it's like dumb and dumber. The person that wins this also needs to be able to exp- they'll be experiencing up to three times your normal weight, pushing you into your seat for up to two minutes. Uh, this doesn't sound too bad. I'm I'm scared of heights. Uh, I'm, I'm out. You know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm reading this for uh, for for you out there in case you want to go place your bed. But I'm out on this. But I just kept thinking. So what? It's going to be. I think there's five per- people, and then you're the sixth or four, and then you're the fifth. However, it is. It wouldn't be that kind of weird. Like these guys are like astronauts. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're just sitting up there, just like, hey, what's up? You know what I mean? It's just you're out of place. You are. How much? How much do you even bid? Like, what a bid? What does a bid start? That's all I wanted to know. Are we talking about in the tens of thousands? Oh, I are we think talking it's about way more? That's than what that. I'm saying. Yeah. Are we talking about some rich guys? Like, I got a hundred thousand. I've been waiting to go to space. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be. Ex- I wouldn't be surprised if it was like a, a cool mill. That wouldn't surprise me. You, if you had a few million sucked up, you this is something <laughs> that you. I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I don't. I guess some people's uh, uh, bucket list would say, you know, a millionaire. He runs out of things to spend his money on. Yeah. There's certain things that you, money can't buy. This is one of them that's finally becoming available. Yeah, and I mean, it's a it's a bucket list thing. It's a you know, brag to your friends. Hey, have you been to space? I have. You know. You know, I think that's the only thing it is for these guys. But it's got to be exp- – if it's Jeff Bezos running this, I mean, a million dollars is like pocket change to this guy. You know, you got to think it's pretty pricey to do this. When you got money like that, I started hearing that when Bill Gates uh, and Melinda Gates, uh, they separated, you know, that we heard about the divorce. Mm-hmm. $1.9 billion just in stocks it transferred over. You're like, just in stocks? Just in stocks. One point. Nine point eight billion just in stocks. Now I'm hearing that they've been off basically a few months back, and they just didn't want to make it public. At which point, now she is at a, par- a private island, one hundred thirty-two thousand a day. <laughs> She's sitting in a private island. The entire family's there except for Bill. Must be nice. Must. Be- I'm just gonna go to my private island. I uh, want to know what's going down though, because it seems like they're pissed off at Bill. He's been he's been exed out. 
They say that everyone's there, kids, even like some like, uh, I don't even know, aunts and uncles or a few there. And just some wild island she doesn't want anything to do with anyone. But they said everyone's pissed at Bill Gates. He must have done something. What? He has for this, someone. Well, he has, uh, and I don't. I'm not sure what she does for him, but she works for him. This uh, it's an Asian girl. Um, she's younger, and she's had to come out and defend herself publicly on 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 social media and whatnot, and saying like, "There's nothing between us, I promise." And a lot of people are blaming her. So, is Bill Gates a player? I don't know. I don't, we heard that story about how he vacation with his ex girlfriend once a year. But there he, was no touchy touchy. But there that's was, what he said. I, who's believing that? They do uh, like the cone heads where they just put that ring on yeah. their head. They don't even touch <laughs> yes. each other. That's how That's how Bill that's Gates. That's how it is. He doesn't have sex. He mates. Bill Gates. <laughs> Perhaps. Maybe he seems a little asexual, but I, I don't know. <laughs> a little bit. He comes off kind of weird. Is Bill Gates asexual? <laughs> Next on Moneyline ESPN 97.5. Your home for sports. ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Real fun sports. This is Moneyline. On ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Let me take you to a time that we all have that little cousin or, or that friend that when you go play Madden, he never punts. You're like, bro, it's 4th and 28. Yep. Play the game right. And then all of a sudden, now you're up like 30, and, and then he starts getting cute, trying to run backwards, just just doing stupid stuff, you know, punting on second down, and you're thinking, like, now you want to punt? Mm-hmm. Right? Well, check this out. Presbyterian College, they're going to be the most exciting team this coming up season because they hired none other than Kevin Kelly, football head coach out of South, uh, South Carolina. Check this out. This is what's, what's crazy about him. He's the coach that never punts. Yep. What is up with that? A coach that... A coach that never punts. Yeah, he's. I mean, doesn't it? If it's like fourth and four or shorter, he always goes for it or something like that. I, I think that's the deal with him. If if it's like fourth and ten, I think he'll punt. Because I saw this article too, and he does onside kicks like every time too. You know, ever after they score, he does an onside kick, and he has the math to back it up, which. And Bill Belichick apparently is like a big fan of this guy. I wonder if this starts because he he was doing this in high school and now he got this this gig in college, right? You wonder if this is going to start seeping into to other college teams because the math kind of backs this up. He won nine state titles. Yeah, that's what, I mean, we're not just talking. Whenever I saw he doesn't punt, obviously in some situations, but you never see it like or, or a guy that doesn't kick off to the other team. Yeah, just straight onside. His theory behind that though is. If if his team kicks it into the end zone, the other team gets the ball at the twenty yard line. If his team kicks an onside and does not recover, its opponent's ball get the ball around. Uh, the opponents get the ball around the forty five. Kelly's willing to sacrifice twenty five yard differential, to, you know, to try to receive that onside kick. Well, he figures you get more possessions in the game, so it makes up for that field. Uh, the it makes up for that that loss in the amount of yards you have in field position. 
Coach Kelly's probably the top high school coach in the country when Bill Belichick said. Yeah. Bill Belichick, if he's coming out, and I just. He's an analytics guy, too. I mean, we saw a lot more teams, and we've seen a lot more teams go for it on fourth down as of late. It, the stats over time, if, if, if it was over 100 times that you attempt to convert a fourth down of four yards or under, you're usually going to get it. What's the yards per play, a team's yard per play? You know, it's yeah. you, by average. Go look at last year, team's yard per play. Even the worst teams, you know, you catch them around that three. Yeah. Two and a half, three. So you're telling me that you can't get maybe four on a play that's specifically, you know, is structured to get you to, to X yard line? It makes sense. It does. It just, I, imagine seeing that on the, on, on the, on the, we, we seen last year, forget who went for it on their own 20, 25 yard. The, hold on. Didn't the Texans do it against the Colts? They, well, I know they did it against the, the Chiefs, right? In that playoff game a couple years then ago. Too. Yeah. But then this year they went for it in that game. I'm trying to remember the exact situation. If you remember it out there, refresh my memory. They went for it this year. And, and and one of those, I believe it was against the Colts on their own side of the field, and then the game went to hell after that. But either way, just I've seen it a few times now, and it's something that you, before if it was it was looked down upon. It was it was evil. It was death if you went for it on your own side of the field on fourth down. To me, the, the first time I can really remember this happening was it was Belichick. Remember the Patriots had the ball on like their own thirty or something like that, and they were playing against Peyton Manning. And Belichick was like, look, if we get that first down, we don't have to give the ball back to Peyton. We'll win the game. So they went for it, and they didn't get it. And then, of course, Peyton had the ball in great you know, great field position, and then they won the game. And Belichick caught a lot of heat for that. That was quite a few years ago. It was the Colts instead of the Texans. The Colts went for it in that overtime game, remember? And they gave the Texans the ball. Okay. That's yeah. what went down. Ahead. Yeah. It wasn't the Texans, though, because I remember I'm thinking, man, somebody. It was something that went down this year. It was Frank Wright. He made the call on fourth down and saying, let's go for it. And and then he ended up giving the ball back. Yeah, that's right. And there was a lot of controversy about that one, too. I mean, we're seeing teams go for it on fourth down just way more often now in general. And the analytics back it up. I wonder if we're going to see a change like that to where we see a bajillion three-pointers in basketball now. I wonder if we're going to see football teams just start going for it on fourth down whenever it's fourth and short. The average total in basketball... Used to be when I first started. I mean, we were in the two hundreds, two hundred five. You'd see a two hundred two every night. Now you're seeing two thirty nines. Yeah, two thirty nine. Imagine when you make an over under bet on basketball of two thirty nine. That means you're telling yourself that's going to be one twenty to one twenty ish at least. You know, yeah. if it's a close game, one twenty to one twenty. For you to make a bet and say, man, those teams are going to see one twenty. That's that's a lot of points. You're, you're saying thirty points a quarter. Both both guys, both teams. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny how analytics are are changing the way we do things. I always thought we would see this. I'm kind of surprised it's taken this long because you went through this guy's resume. I mean, in high school, they were unbelievable. I mean, they they won constantly. You have to think that that's going to work on the college level, too. And I want to see it in the pros. I'm just curious what that's going to look like. Especially with like pass interference and stuff, you know what I mean. Like sometimes you could just, you know, just throw the ball down the field on fourth down, and you're going to get a penalty, and you'll get a first down. Analytics tell you that you should go for it every time on on yeah. two point conversions. Yes, but and, people don't. But it's it's funny though because analytics tell you you should go for it every single time because if over time over if I know you're not going to get a hundred of them within one game, but over a hundred sample size. 
you, you're supposed to convert that at your average yards per play. You are. And, and this guy's nine state titles in 18 years. 50% of the time, he wins the whole thing. I mean, think about that. If Bill Belichick is talking about you, though, that, that's, that's it right there. And he's not just saying, well, yeah, he, I've heard of him. He's a good coach. He's mm-hmm. saying, no, this is probably the best high school coach in the entire nation. And he's doing it with onside kicks. And yeah. <laughs> that's what just makes no sense to me. It's just, I guess we get used to uh, old football just the, the traditional way that we're not used to all this other stuff. But you see now NFL trying to – Trying to uh, they they adjusted the onside kick uh, rule this year too, just to make it more uh, more action. Let's say to where you have an actual chance of recovering less the ball. players because at one point what it was one it was eight percent of the kicks were getting total recovered, and then now you're getting to where they're saying, okay, you know what, let's put less defensive players in there. Mm-hmm. What happens if you only are allowed to have you know nine, ten, or eleven, or nine or ten? What happens at that point? It's going to be more recoveries. Yeah, and. It, Obviously, they changed it just for player safety, but now I think they're backing it up the other direction because it's made it, you know, if you can never recover an onside kick, then what's the point of doing it? Why is it in the game? So I'm glad they made that adjustment. Let me make an adjustment for you right now before we go to this next break. We're going to go to France. You're going to go to Paris and Rennes, and you're going to hit over. I believe that there's goals all over this game. I think that they're going to come somewhere along that three to one. But also, I think that Paris can get three on their own. Go ahead and hit over in France, League One, Rennes against Paris, PSG, however your book has it. I believe that there's going to be goals all over this. Why? Because PSG, they need a win. They're four points behind the leaders, and Rennes is two points out of the last Europa or European spot. So at this point, if Rennes lose, they don't lose anything. They're a middle table team. Nothing absolutely happens if they lose other than them going further from the spot they want to be at. PSG, they're out of the Champions League. They're focused on this now. So a lot of people are going to look at the last few games when they haven't been scoring much. Now that their focus is on solely on this and they're losing by four points, they need a win. Look for both teams to go out and get that victory. I think that we see an over today, Josh. Nice. I like it. Get those bets in, guys. And When we get to the other side, I kind of like to talk a little bit of fantasy football here. We're we're past the draft, so we know where all these guys have landed, what teams they're on, what offenses they're on. And it's interesting, especially with the the receivers and the running backs. They already have these guys, you know, kind of ordered up and you know, guys like ETN, you know, Najee Harris. I'm kind of curious where you would take these guys. You know, is Najee Harris a first round pick? He's kind of on the border, actually. So when we get to the other side, we'll give you an early look at what the running backs are going to look like when you do your fantasy draft this year. You listen to the Money Line on ESPN 97.5. You're listening to ESPN 97.5. You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Welcome back to Moneyline. It's the last segment. Shout out to everyone that hung out with us today on a Mother's Day Sunday. Hookers and blow. A lot of older heads in the NFL reluctant to change no matter how good or bad the ideas are until the second, until the second they see another coach or team being successful with it. 
He makes a good point. He's referencing last segment. We talked about this this coach that newly was newly hired for college, and he goes for it on fourth down all the time. He onside kicks after they score every time. It's an interesting theory. It's it'll create a lot of problems if they do it on the professional level. I think it will too. But you know, as we talked about last segment. It's so set up for the offense to be successful. I mean, you could pick up that first down on a penalty, even if you can't, you know, just get it, you know, on your own. So there is some merit to it. So I'm kind of curious. Um, the the one thing I wanted to hit on, we teased it before the last segment, is we now can kind of talk a little bit of fantasy because we know where these rookies have landed. And th- th- so much that's what it's about is what team do they land on? Do they have a good offensive line? If they're a receiver, do they end up with a good quarterback? Who else is on the team? So I'm going to start here just with the running back rankings, and these are PPR rankings. And uh, when we hosted the Blitz the other day, Jerry, we had somebody ask us, you know, who's the number one pick in this year's draft coming up? And especially in PPR, I said Christian McCaffrey, and, and he's number one here on the list of running backs. You agree with that, McCaffrey, the number one overall guy? Hands down. Yeah, I think so too. So to round out the top five, he goes uh, McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara, Barkley, and Aaron Jones. Wow. You have any Bar- issues with those? No issues. Just Barkley, though, you know, arguably he was one and two with, with, with McCaffrey. Now you drop him down that low. What makes him drop down that low? Or what catapulted uh, Cooks up that high? Because we know Cooks is a monster. Um, Dalvin Cook, I'm sorry. Um, I don't, man, it just, I don't, we get Barkley at a discount at number four he's been hurt a lot that's that's the the problem and also the team like you saw last year the the defenses were able to to zone in on him and just but still it just to get a discount at him imagine getting Barkley in your fantasy draft at four I know he's so talented it's just can the guy stay healthy you take him over Kamara I would take Kamara first and see Kamara is another kind of debatable pick here because there's no Drew Brees anymore you know, this offense is going to look a lot different. And Kamara didn't catch nearly as many passes when Breeze wasn't the quarterback. It was terrible. It yeah. was a huge – I mean, before that, his over-under on just receptions as a, per game, you'd have to be like eight or nine. Remember, we were like, yeah. let's go look at Kamara. Eight or nine. Eight or You're nine. Like, right, they already All right, over. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're on to us yeah. already. But now, whenever he wasn't, it was at like 2.7. Yeah, it's not the same. He's not the same guy. He 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 was. I think the space that he was able to to give Breeze and and this Breeze knew that he always had that 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 guy in the flats. You know, just here I could just let it rip. He'll create his own space. But yeah, I just man, I don't. Those four you can interchange them every year, and 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 you can't really go wrong wrong. But we always say you can't win your fantasy football draft with your first pick, but you can lose it. You can lose it. And to your point with Kamara. It, we've noticed this a lot with, with pass-catching running backs, right? When they play with a quarterback that runs, they typically don't catch as many passes. So when it's Taysom Hill, I think he's more often to just more likely to just take off instead of checking it down to Kamara because he can do that. So I, I think he, th- that's a concern. So, you know, because we really don't know who the main quarterback is going to be for the Saints. You know, it could still be Jameis Winston. Like, we don't know which way they're going to go with that. So there is a little bit of risk. The is, other, oh, is go Sam ahead. Darnold an upgrade for McCaffrey? I think he is. They have to respect him more, I would believe. Yeah, and they have good receivers there. So they have to respect that, too. It's just, I mean, McCaffrey gets so much volume. <laughs> That's you know, why you can't yes. go wrong with him. How can you deny the amount of volume that he gets? I mean, 
you know, we even saw, uh, you know, Mike Davis be pretty good in his spot just because of the amount of volume he got. And it's interesting. He's in the top 24 at running back with Atlanta because they didn't really, they didn't really upgrade with Gurley being gone. They, they brought in Mike Davis. He's going to be their starter. They have him at number 24 at running back in PPR. So he's a, he's a number two running back. Yeah. RB2 if he's inside the top 24. <laughs> Yeah, someone out there. You saw Curly. He had some few moments, but not enough. It was it was just spread out. But at the same time, we always talk about a, a young guy with arthritis in his knees. You never want a running back that's young arthritis in the knees. You don't. And it, one of my buddies just texted me. He doesn't like your thoughts on Barkley. He was a stinker at two. He's going to be a stinker at four. So this is a guy that got burned drafting him last year, and he blew out his his knee. And, and that's the thing, right? It, we're always so bitter. That was a travesty that day. It was. But aren't we always so bitter when we take a guy and he gets hurt, and then the next year and he, you have a chance to take him again, you're like, nope. You he, know what? He yeah. ruined your whole he season. He ruined your whole season. But sometimes that can backfire, right? Because just because he got hurt one year on a fluke injury doesn't mean it's going to happen again. You never go into a fantasy draft and say, man, I'm not getting that guy whatsoever. Right. Like, everyone has a price on their head. It's just a matter of, of when they fall to you. But you always see those people that have their paper and then whatever's on that paper, that's the only people. And you don't realize that, like, man, I didn't realize that so-and-so was going to fall to me in the, yeah. in the seventh or eighth spot. And what it changes it? your whole draft plan sometimes when that happens. Sometimes you wish that guy didn't fall to you because you had a whole strategy, and then now you have to rethink everything, and you're on the clock. Where's Zeke Elliott on that list? That's interesting. You bring that up. Is they got a they got Zeke here at nine. So Whoa. yeah, and this is a, a PPR league. You know it, what's interesting is Jonathan Taylor's ahead of him at eight. Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, but a lot of people are taking him top five just based off what he did last he, year. Yeah, it, he, he had the spurts, and he was he's a workhorse guy. He can touch it twenty over twenty times. He's fast. He can he can, he can take it to the house. But what happens this year with is Max still there after the injury, and then they still have Hines. I don't think Mac is, is still Mac- there, but Hines is still there. So that's what worries me. You have to check on that with Mac, but I know Hines is still there. The other one that's interesting to me is Aaron Jones at number five. Yeah, it, Mac is there. He and, is there. And Jordan Wilkins is still there as well. God, they got a million guys. That's It's just tough for him being – that means he's that good. <laughs> you know, he he's that good for them to give him that much sh- share of the ball last season. Just, you know, yep. I know Mac went there, but Naheem Hines – and remember, he had his moments sometimes. It was a guessing game. Do we start in Naheem? And then when every time we tried Hines – he would, he, yeah, it, it was so hard. And, and yeah, thank you, Texans, for taking Ross Blacklock right in front of Jonathan Taylor. The Texans could add Jonathan Taylor, but that's okay, guys. You have David Johnson and Mark Ingram instead. So I'm sure you feel so much better about that. Do we trust the Texans would have got Jonathan Taylor? You know, do we trust them that much? I mean, they, I thought that they could have used a young running back, you know, and I'm not happy. No, with, we got Ingram. We got Ingram. What are you talking about? I want the Heisman Trophy winner from 20 years ago. That's the guy I want on my team. But the Texans fans only remember the Kung Fu kick to the to the <laughs> emblem here. It's true. Uh, then if you go look at Ingram's stats from last year, and you're going to realize that that was his longest run for the season. I think longest run in the last two or three years. And then the whole t- – I mean – Go look at his stats, and that run was with like 30% of his production last season. <laughs> a lot of guys did that against the Texans' defense last year. They were terrible against the run. Them and the Cowboys, I mean, ugh, it was ugly. Um, Austin Eckler, number six overall, and then this one's kind of polarizing. Derrick Henry, not till number seven. I mean, dude goes for 2,000 yards. That's PPR? Yeah, this is PPR, so that 
you know, his value's not quite as good in PPR. You wonder with, you know, they, they lost a lot of guys. You know, Corey Davis is gone and the tight end is gone. You wonder if maybe, because it's really just, you know, A.J. Brown, you know, does, does Henry get a few more screens, a few more targets this year? How many guys go up to the podium and gals to the fantasy football podium, podium and, and with their six pick or wherever they fall, they're like, I'm going to take Eckler over Derek Derrick Henry. Henry. Like, imagine that. Like, it, it's tough to even say that out of your mouth. Like, you're looking at your sheet and you see these two stickers. You know, you see Derrick Henry and you see little Austin Eckler and you're looking like, all right, who am I going to? How many people just grab Henry? Most people are going to grab Henry, yeah. but in all reality, Eckler probably ends up getting with the catches and everything. He ends up getting more, but just think about that. You're all right now, if you're listening and you had the, the choice in your fantasy football draft, you got like that sixth, seventh pick, or, or let's say 10th pick because some other guys go, and you're coming up to running backs and you, it's either Eckler or Henry. It's tough to go against Henry because that's what you think of when you think running back. It is. You got to think that he's maybe worn down and he's going to get hurt this year. I think that's the only way you pass on Henry there. And then just to put a bow on this, we talked about the rookies. They've got Najee Harris for the Steelers at 15. They've got him in front of Clyde Edwards-Elaire, Miles Sanders, Chris Carson. Uh, what do you think? Do you, would you take Najee Harris? And you'd have to probably take him in the second or third round. Ooh, I don't like it. No? I don't like anything about those Steelers this year. And I love them to death, but not this season. I think they're in trouble. But it's time for us to get out of here. You know the song. It's a it's a roll out, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to roll out. We're going to leave you in the hands of, of your mothers, right? And you're going to go ahead and cook the best barbecue you can, the best burgers. Are you going to pour up the strongest drinks? Are you going to tell her, Mama, I love you, because that's what we do here on Moneyline every single Sunday on ESPN 97.5. I'm signing off for the crew. That's Josh Jordan. That's Aaron Raybould. And I'm Jerry Bonos with a Z. Peace. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Innovation Map is the new voice of innovation in Houston. Pretty cool, huh, Morty? Covering startups, tech, energy, health, social impact, and more. Visit innovationmap.com today. Do it now! Do it! Do it! Do it now!